Welcome to Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive, making it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Brought to you by Subway, the official training restaurant of the Cleveland Indians. By the University of Akron. Visit areyououtthere.com. Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend as we join you one final time from Progressive Field this offseason. Next week's show, we will come to you from the Indian Spring Training Complex in Goodyear, Arizona. The team has reported officially now as their first full workout was scheduled for Saturday. Some rain in the Goodyear, Arizona area moved a lot of the activities indoors, but spring training in full swing now, and we will bring you the remainder of our shows until the season begins from the Indian Spring Training Complex in Goodyear. A lot to get to on this week's show. We'll continue with our around the division looks at American League Central Division rivals. This week, we'll talk with Ryan Lefevre, the television and radio voice of the Kansas City Royals. And Ryan will fill us in on what has been an up-and-down offseason for Kansas City. Some tragedy with the awful car accident that took the life of Jordano Ventura, their fine starting pitcher, but also some good acquisitions for a Royals ball club that is only two years removed from winning the World Series. On the other end of the spectrum, we'll visit with Corey Provis, who's the radio voice of the Minnesota Twins. The Twins coming off a 59-win season at the bottom of the division, one of the worst teams in baseball, but now led by a former member of the Indians' front office in Derek Falvey, and he's trying to turn the fortunes of a once-proud Minnesota Twins franchise. So we'll check in with Corey on that. Also, if you're planning on heading to spring training, maybe you're thinking about it, haven't made plans yet, we'll visit with Ryan Lance, who is the Indians' director of Goodyear Operations. He'll fill us in on some of the great things happening in Goodyear this spring, in addition to having a good ball club that's expecting to contend for great things next October. But uh, a lot of good off-the-field activities, too, and great fan experiences if you do take in some of spring training this February and March. So a lot to get to, and when we return, we'll hear from Tribe Manager Terry Francona, the very latest from Goodyear, as the Indians continue spring training right here as Tribe Talk gets rolling on the Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland, where it is a beautiful weekend. In fact, better weather here than what they have out at spring training in Goodyear. It's warmer here. It's dry here. They have some chilly temperatures for them in the low 60s and some showers out in the Goodyear area as the west coast and on inland a little bit is getting hammered in uh, our country. And as a result, spring training Well, they have to kind of adjust on the fly here this weekend and do some things indoors, but some great facilities out there in Goodyear for the Indians, and it certainly is early enough where that's not a big concern. Yesterday was reporting day for all of the uh, Indians position players after 
the pitchers had reported about a week ago. Now the entire squad is in and looking to get things done here as we get closer to the season, including newly acquired Edwin Encarnacion. And Terry Francona, Indians manager, talked about Encarnacion's impact and whether it's a big deal for the big first baseman to be a designated hitter a good portion of the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I knew coming in, I talked to him a little bit. I just, the, my point was trying to keep your best hitter's bats in the lineup as much as you can, not overwhelming them, them physically. And if you're going to split a spot like a DH spot, when does it help them the most? That's, you know, rather than assume something as you get to know guys, it know okay what what's what's in his best interest and that's part of getting to know guys think about competitions in camp you probably had years where you've had a, a few and years where you don't have as many do you prefer obviously not having as, as many yeah. yeah i mean that means that that means that the front office has done a really good job during the winter now some of it also means that maybe where you are in your you know Guys, our core guys are all signed and all that. Um, you still, and it doesn't really ever change. Like, I think you you want to get a good evaluation of every player that's here. Some that have no chance of making our team, but you still you want to get to know them. You want to get to know them as well as you can, knowing that three weeks here isn't going to define their career. Um, but it's nice to get to see how they work, how they react when they make an out all the types of emotions that go into a day and then you just like we've told all in the one-on-ones one of our goals is we'd like to see every player see the best of them that would be terrific then we'll, we'll we'll make our decisions and we'll be honest and we'll be conscientious about it and we'll communicate with them that's kind of the goal i hope everybody does great that'd be wonderful and you feel like the more competitions almost the more uncertainty well, in spring training, yeah. well, I think you set yourself up to make mistakes is what it is. I think, um, and it's hard for, I get it. I mean, I was in that position a lot of times. It's not just the highest batting average. I mean, it just doesn't doesn't equate to when the season starts. Um, there has to be a fit, a positional fit, a need. You know, where does this guy fit in? Do you need a right-hand hitter? Do you need a left-hand hitter? You know, and and... Yeah, if you're swinging the bat or you're playing well, it certainly helps. But it's hard to just hit your way onto a team. I don't think I agree with that. I've seen it happen too many times where a young kid comes in and, like Geo last year, I points, he must ask me 15 times. <laughs> uh, I went to AAA and hit 220 or something. You know, just spring training can be a false indicator. You love seeing guys do well, but it, it's not in their season – the five or six hundred at bats they get are a much better indication. With a guy like Edwin, when you're meeting with him on a day like today, you know, it seems like there wouldn't be much to meet about. You know, he's there really guy. isn't. So, so with what, most of them, there isn't. So, so what, what was that beginning like? Because we just, it's, we want to be consistent. We, we want to meet with every single player before we go out there. I don't think we want to meet with half of them. You know, some of them are really short. Um, but again, just to be consistent. And mostly was just to explain to him that, you know, how we feel about things and that we're thrilled he's here 
and to you know the quicker that he gets acclimated and is, isn't the new guy the better and just to communicate with us and we'll, we'll communicate back you're obviously you're privy to all behind the scenes stuff you know during negotiations with Chris and those guys but when you get that official go ahead or that official uh, signing just what was that moment like for you I, I was surprised I mean I I was surprised when I heard that this was potentially happening you know I um, and again, it, it, it's, I, it was probably at the time I was a little conflicted because with Nap there, you know, because I always thought Nap would end up coming back to us. I just figured that would happen. So I was conflicted a little bit. You know, I mean, you can't feel like you do about a player. And then, okay, all of a sudden, the, you know, and, and there's no questioning Edwin's credentials, but that takes away nothing from Napoli. How much do you expect? I mean, you had Giambi before Napoli, then Napoli came in and, and gave his presence. You know, the guys like Kipnis, and those guys who were the young guys, how much do you expect them now to sort of pick up things that they learned from those veteran guys? Well, you know, and, I, and okay, one, I don't think we're going to have a leadership problem. I think we have a lot of good leaders in there. Um, you know, I think I've said before, when you have that special guy, I think as a manager or as a coach and staff, to, to, to get in their way, is, is a mistake. It doesn't mean these guys have to do stuff they're not used to doing. I think they're they're capable and they're equipped to be just fine. You know, they've been through a lot together. You know, all the things that we will talk about, about how we want to be as a team, there's a reason we talk about it because they can do that. They're capable. They've done it before. And my guess is they'll do it. That's Tribe Manager Terry Francona bringing us up to date on activities out in Goodyear, Arizona. Stay tuned. When we return, we'll get a preview of the Kansas City Royals, an American League Central Division rival of the Tribe, with Brian Lefebvre, their radio and television voice. That's coming your way next on the Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. We continue with our previews of Indians American League Central Division rivals and we head to the Midwest Kansas City where we talk with Ryan Lefevre radio and television voice of the Kansas City Royals who are coming off a down year for the first time in a while what a great run it was for the Royals in 2014 reaching the World Series and then winning it a season later but uh, a step back last year and Ryan it just seemed like one of those years where uh, if it could go wrong it did for Kansas City and and uh, they end up out of the hunt for the first time in a while. But as they look back on that, a belief that they can get back to, to prominence in the AL Central and get back to the postseason? Oh, absolutely, Rosie. And, and good to chat with you again. Um, and, I was, you know, you're right. It was a down year by today's standards. But as you said that, I was thinking that would have been a fantasy for Royals fans 10 years ago that a down year would be 81 and 81. <laughs> But, you know, if you, if you put everything together and look at the underperformances and the injuries, it really was a successful season that they finished at 81 and 81. It was not unlike the Tigers two years ago, and they're coming off of four straight division titles, and they had underperformances and injuries, and they just tanked. I mean, they finished in last place, almost as if they said, well, you know, we got no chance of winning the World Series. You know, the, there was some emotion 
some drive that was missing. And these guys just kept grinding it out. They had the worst record in the major leagues in July, and we thought they were dead and buried. And then they had the best record in the major leagues in August. I mean, they just continued to fight and were in contention for a wild card up until the last week, although we could all pretty much see the writing on the wall. And so the, for me, though, I thought the silver lining was in order, as you learned, although I guess the Indians kind of um, break the tradition of you have to be super healthy to get to the World Series, but by and large, to get to the World Series, you have to be healthy and you have to have players that are performing well and blah, blah, blah. The Royals had been remarkably healthy in 2014 and 2015, and not just healthy, but a lot of players who played every day. So there really was an opportunity to evaluate the depth of the organization and see some of the, the next wave guys and how they perform at the major leagues. So, the, you know, we got a chance to see Whit Merrifield play quite a bit. Chester Cuthbert got to play quite a bit. Paul Orlando got to play quite a bit. Matt Strom, a pitcher, came up from the minor leagues. He got to pitch in some high-level situations. So, that's what we keep pointing to in addition to the team just you know, fighting to the very end, even though the deck, the deck was stacked against them, is that they go into spring training this year getting guys back from injury, but then also having a really good idea of what they have if someone goes down again. When you look at the season coming up, uh, a big theme will certainly be the contract status of several key free agents right at the top of that list. Eric Hosmer, and, and it seems that can go one of two ways. It can uh, be a real impetus to, to give it one last shot if indeed uh, one or or a bunch of them do end up going elsewhere, or it can be a, a real detriment. Uh, from what you've been able to gather this off season, uh, how do you see it going uh, for this year's club? Well, they signed Danny Duffy to a long-term contract, and I think and, and for a, you know, compared to what he probably could get if he had hit free agency, if he had another good year and went to free agency, I mean, this is a bargain for the Royals. And it's really the only way that they could sign Danny Duffy. So you hope that some guys will look at that and say, you know, talk to Danny and say, why did you do that? And Danny did it for all the right reasons. You know, I don't, I don't need any more money than they're going to pay me. This is the only organization I know. Danny, a few years ago, left the game for personal reasons, and the Royals stuck with him and allowed him to come back. And so he felt a loyalty to the Royals. The Royals felt a loyalty to him. So it would be nice if, if other players had that same mentality, and maybe Danny sets the tone for that, but, you know, we'll just see. But the players have been very honest. I mean, they realize that this, is, this might be it, of the, you know, the old gang being together in one last run. Hopefully the Royals, you know, can sign – more than Danny Duffy, and and time will tell. But you brought up Eric Hosmer. He's he's the linchpin, I believe. I don't know if they're going to be able to sign him or not, but he's, you know, a very good offensive player who's going to get better. He's a very good defensive player. He runs the bases exceptionally well for a first baseman. And he's a leader. And so that that's a big one there. Not to say that they can't succeed without him, but I think his his loss will hit the Royals harder than any other, if it happens. Ryan Lefevre joining us, Royals radio and television voice. And, Ryan, obviously in an off offseason, uh, you like to go about the business of acquiring talent and, and making some moves to make your team better. But the Royals, unfortunately, suffered a, a terrible tragedy. Their star pitcher, Jordano Ventura, passing away 
in the Dominican in a traffic accident. Uh, at, from your relationship with him, uh, how difficult has that been to, to get through, just based on, on who he was, not only on the field but off as well? Well, it still just doesn't seem real, Rosie. I mean, now that I just kind of go online and I'm, I'm curious, you know, is there anything new in the investigation? And um, I'll just, you know, type in Jordano Ventura crash on Google and, you know, see if there's any news. And it, and I see him and it's just, it just, it just still doesn't feel right, you know? And um, even Ned Yost has admitted in the early days of spring training that when he sits down and starts going through his rotation and, you know, who's going to throw today and who's going to throw the next day and just kind of mapping out spring training that he begins to write down your Donald Ventura. And um, so it, there was no good timing for this to happen. And yet when it did happen, I remember my first thought, it happened on a Sunday. And I remember my first thought was of disbelief followed by, oh my gosh, we have Fan Fest next weekend which is a big celebration and coming off, you know, three consecutive non-losing seasons and getting guys back healthy. I mean, there's still a lot of optimism in Kansas city about this team. And so that's a weekend of celebration and looking forward to the next baseball season. And it's just like, Oh man, what do we, and then now you got your Donald Ventura. How are we going to juggle all that? And it ended up being very healing. It got all the guys together. They weren't just texting each other and calling each other. Some of them did go to the Dominican Republic and they were there for the funeral. But it just it, the Royals had a beautiful celebration of life for Giordano, which um, was before Fan Fest, the first day of Fan Fest. And a lot of the players spoke and they got together and they were able to just reflect and and grieve and celebrate. And the city, this team is so popular in this city, which I'm sure you can relate to right now. I mean, it is just, it is a Royals town, no doubt. And so the fans wanted to grieve with them as well. I mean, fans started coming out to the stadium and there's this little makeshift memorial for Ventura with, with flowers and signs and his jersey. And so it really just ended up being a healing weekend. I, at least I'll just speak for myself. I thought it was going to be a dreadful weekend, but it really was healing. And I haven't been to spring training yet. I go down uh, on the 23rd. And so, but I've been hearing some of the reports from the guys that are down there and it's, it's been further healing for them to get together and just starting to play the baseball. So I think it'll just kind of hit in waves and it'll probably hit the guys when they're not expecting it. Um, but nobody would have known Jordano Ventura if not for baseball. I mean, we never would have known who he was. And if he had died the way that he did, no one would have ever known in Kansas city or anywhere else in the United States. So I think, Keeping that in perspective, just getting out and playing baseball again has been really good for the guys. Well, Ryan, I know it's been a, an up-and-down offseason for Kansas City, but uh, if past years, especially recently in terms of the season series, Royals, Indians, or any indication, should be great baseball when they, they get together again this year in the Central Division. And we'll look forward to it. Thanks so much, as always, for coming by. Rosie, I look forward to seeing you in Arizona. You got it. Ryan Lefevre, radio and television voice of the Kansas City Royals. We'll continue our look around the American League Central, a Twins preview coming your way on the other side of this break on the Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field, downtown Cleveland, and we continue with our look around the American League Central Division, previewing 2017 
We are happy to be joined by Corey Provis, radio voice of the Minnesota Twins. And a tough year for the Twins a year ago, and we will get to some changes at the top for Minnesota with a distinctly Cleveland flavor in a moment. But, Corey, I want to open with uh, each team in baseball just about does some sort of, of midwinter either a caravan or, or, in the case of the Indians, a tribe fest where they have something downtown. Uh, the Twins caravan, legendary for some of the places you go in uh, the upper, upper, upper Midwest. And uh, you were on a bus that, that went about as far as you can in this country to the north? That is correct, Rosie. Uh, yeah, the, the, the Twins caravan, you're right, just to give people some more background, is probably the most expansive in, in, in professional sports. I can't think of another team named the sport that does what the Twins do, and they've done this annually, Jim, since 1961, since this day one, since the Twins moved here from Washington, D.C. But it's a two-week uh, two process, and there's four legs, two, uh, two legs at a time, and it stretches out really into what we consider you know, Twins territory here in the upper Midwest across five states, uh, Minnesota, the Dakotas, Iowa, and into Wisconsin. And this uh, leg I was on was, yeah, the northern route. So we were up literally at the Canadian border, International Falls. We were up in uh, Ely and Eveleth and Bemidji, Duluth, Virginia, uh, you name it. And we lucked out weather-wise because normally you go up there mid-January, you're probably not leaving the bus too often. It's that cold. Uh, but thankfully, Mother Nature was kind. We had temperatures in the, in the 30s, maybe low 40s. So we went snowmobiling. We went. Uh, we did all sorts of fun stuff in the snow, but seeing uh, Eduardo Escobar, a Venezuelan on a snowmobile, Rosie, that's a, that's a sight to be seen, man. You can see a lot of things in life, but seeing a Venezuelan on a snowmobile, that will stay with me forever. And that is Twins Caravan personified right there, I'm sure. And you're trying to, to drum up support for a team that, that had a very difficult season a year ago, more than 100 losses, and it's been a tough stretch. So changes made. During the offseason, Derek Falvey, who did such great work here in Cleveland as an assistant general manager, is now running the, the baseball operations for the Twins. And obviously you're not into a season yet, not even at spring training quite yet. But what have you seen from him so far in an offseason heading into his first season at the helm? Well, I, I could just speak to his personality. Um, I can't really speak too much to his baseball savvy in regards to overhauling a roster. And I'm sure we'll get to this momentarily because it's been relatively quiet, Rosie, on that front. But but I, I get why he won. I just he's very smart. He's incredibly thorough. He's so well spoken. He's extremely personable that if you put him in a room and he's against four or five other candidates for this big job in the game today, I can see why he distanced himself from the other candidates. Not that the other candidates weren't, weren't equally up to the job, but there's something about Derek's personality and his intelligence and his baseball savvy that, that probably separated himself from the pack. I've just been so impressed with how he's handled himself for his belief that and he told me this, and I'm not sharing, you know, a company secret here. When he interviewed for the job, that he told the, those in the committee, the owner and the, the team president and others involved, that look, if you think this is going to be a one-year fix, and you think that guy's out there, you know, no, no hurt feelings here. Good luck to you, and I wish you all the best. I, I think he was pretty honest. I think he was pretty open because I think there there should be some improvement this season, Jim. But I, I, I just I, I don't see how this goes from a last to first, and I love to be wrong. But just giving my honest opinion, I don't see how that's going to happen. 
And I think he probably made that message. I think that this is going to require some time here. This is going to require some patience. And with that, I think the uh, the group that, that made this hire saw it the same way. When you look at, at the Twins and try and determine just how far away they are, obviously a, a tough, tough season a year ago. But the year prior, a, a team that was in contention until almost the end, are they somewhere in between, or is it truly what you saw last year and, and could be a long, long time before they are good again? Probably somewhere in between. I, I think there were numerous stats you could point to going back to, to the 2015 season, why they won 83 games. But none of those numbers, I, I think, were sustainable. I mean, the, the Twins had won 83 games, but there were some fluky things that went on. Remember, the Twins had a great month of May. And I, I know that Tribe fans remember that, what, the June or July you guys had last year when you guys just went on that great tear. Uh, but that was sustainable for, for, for your team because you had, you had the pitching to back that up. The Twins still did not have good pitching, uh, even going back to 15, uh, the 15 season, uh, where they ranked and on base percentage and, and slugging, uh, were near the bottom. Team defense wasn't all that great. So none of those numbers to me, I felt were pretty sustainable. Now, are they as bad as they were last year? I, I probably think not. Uh, I, I just think that, that if you roll out the worst-case scenario for a bunch of things, that happened. An 0-9, an 0-9 start, uh, dismal starts for, for Dozier. Uh, Joe Maurer actually was pretty good in April, but outside of him, there was nothing else. Uh, you lose Phil Hughes basically the whole season. You lose Glenn Perkins basically for the whole season. Um, so there were just some things that went against him. And, uh, you know, Miguel Sano, the move to right field was a disaster. That, that was, that was, that was not a good move. Uh, the, the signing of Young Ho Park was, was questionable then, still questionable now, although he's off the 40 man roster now. So I, I just think going back to, to 2015, there were more things that said, yeah, you know, th- this probably was kind of a fluke year. And I think we saw it really drop in a heavy, heavy way last year. But I like to think that they're probably going to be somewhere in the middle here in 2017, Rosie. Corey Provis joining us, radio voice of the Minnesota Twins. And, uh, look, they're in a rebuilding mode. That means you'll talk a lot about uh, the young prospects, who could be good when the Twins return to prominence. And it seems like position player-wise, there are a lot of those. And, And from your perspective, though, who is standing out and can take that next step forward and be a legitimate major league, maybe not star, but certainly a, a contributor to a good team. Well, I, I think if we go back, Rosie, and we replay this conversation that we've had in the last three years, we probably have spoken highly of Byron Buxton. And I, I think if you go back to Buxton September last year, something clicked for this guy. He, he's only 22, 23 years old. So let's not push the panic button on this guy yet. But, but his September was really, really good. Uh, Max Kepler, I think uh, Tribe fans remember what he did uh, against Cleveland on numerous occasions last year, especially during that four-game series uh, at Progressive Field in August. Uh, so I think Kepler is certainly uh, a name that, that is worth watching. Miguel Sano, is he a long-term third baseman? I don't know. But he's going to be a better third baseman, Rosie, than he was a right fielder. Does he project to be at first base at some point? Probably so, but that's not going to happen at least for a couple more seasons. Joe Maurer's under contract through 2018. But you put Miguel at third base where he's played a lot of, of professional baseball. I think that is just a comfort zone for him that he shouldn't have to carry this weight about, boy, I have to learn right field, and is that going to impact my offense? And I think we maybe saw some of that last year. So I think with Buxton, with Sano, with Kepler, 
Eddie Rosario had a humbling 2016, not giving up on that guy either. Jose Barrios, uh, the, the numbers weren't great last year from a pitching standpoint, but they're still, you see flashes of what people really like. And you may see a more composed, I think, young arm here this season. So there are some pieces there, uh, but are they enough to truly build around from a pitching standpoint? Probably not. And then that, that's, that's where the weak link is right now. There's just not that frontline budding prospect that, that we have seen so far on the radar. And at the top, managing the ball club is Paul Molitor. And we began by talking about Derek Falvey, who, who's running the baseball department now. And he inherits a manager in Paul Molitor. Problematic or, or, has, or have things gone as smooth as can be expected so far in that situation? What I, what I can gauge, and that question's come up a lot the last couple of months, is that it's been extremely collaborative uh, between between uh, Derek and our new GM, Thad Levine, formerly you know, John Daniels' number two guy over the Rangers, and then Paul Molitor, that these that these three are really working on some things together. I, I, don't, I don't see Paul as, as a stubborn guy, and I've gotten to know him a little bit here. I think he's always open for ideas and open to – to other ways to go about doing things if the end goal is going to be positive. And how could it, how could it not be any, any more positive than what we saw last year? So I think that he's being open-minded to what is being presented to him. And what's, be, what's happening behind closed doors, I don't know. But I think so far so good that, that neither Derek nor Thad looked at it as a hindrance, knowing that, hey, I have to be stuck with a manager, even though this is maybe not the guy that if I had my druthers, I'd want, I think that they're happy to have him. Uh, why would you not want to have a guy like Paul Molitor and his genius and his knowledge of the game and uh, go back to, he's only been there two years. I mean, he had no managerial experience. He's been there two years. He had a lot of good in 2015, a lot of bad in 2016. Let's ride this out a bit longer together. Well, I know there have been some tough times in the Twin Cities on the Diamond, but uh, it's always exciting when you have some new things happening, and, and we'll see if it it means a turn of of their fortunes as they go forward but uh cory thanks so much for coming by and, and i'm glad you survived the the trip to the north and it wasn't minus 50 and and now you're heading down to florida on sunday that's pretty good stuff rosie i'm just glad you survived tom hamilton every day I mean, forget <laughs> about me that that that's a challenge in itself you have you have one of the toughest gigs in, in the game it's hazard pay but you do it very well my friend do you mind if I save this recording and play it? Please do, and play it for him. Play it for him endlessly. <laughs> All right, Corey, thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Rosie. That's Corey Provis, radio voice for the Minnesota Twins. Stay tuned. When we come back, it's our final segment. We will head out to Goodyear and preview some of the great things going on out there from a fan's perspective with Ryan Lance, who's the director of Indians Goodyear Operations. That's coming your way shortly as Tribe Talk continues on the Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. This is our final show from Progressive Field in Cleveland during the hot stove season. Next week, we join you from beautiful Goodyear, Arizona, and the Indian Spring Training Complex. And we are joined now by our good friend, the president and CEO of Goodyear Operations. (laughs) It's actually the director of Goodyear Operations, but we always like to make Ryan Lance feel good. And uh, Ryan, thanks so much for coming by. Uh, The pitchers and catchers are already there. First full squad workout. coming up soon and uh, it has to be exciting and and just the explain the difference right now from one year to the next because of the excitement of the postseason for the indians a year ago yeah it's 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 amazing Jeff, uh, rosie it's it's been a lot of uh 
a lot of excitement, anticipation. Obviously, the, the off season was, of course, shorter for a lot of people, but I think anybody will take that, uh, considering where we ended up last year. But um, yeah, today actually, pitchers and catchers had their first full workout uh, later in the week. Um, you know, we'll have a, a our full squad worker. We've got a lot of guys here. We've had a lot of guys in camp for probably about the past two or three weeks. Just guys itching to get out here, excited for the season and uh, to get started and get this thing going. So, yeah, and we have a lot of fans out here already. We had a, a really nice turnout of fans in our fan access areas watching batting practice on the field today. So uh, you can tell there's a lot of excitement in the air around the team, both internally here in the building, a lot of energy Um as people are out here now, Chris and Mike and all those guys from our front office, and, and really it goes all the way down to the fans. We've got a lot of fan excitement too. Ticket-wise, in years past, uh, you could, in most instances, just walk up and purchase a ticket. But it sounds like there, there may be some games you really need to jump on and buy tickets in advance if you're heading out to Goodyear to, to take in some spring training. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, of course, uh, the, the, the rematch against the Cubs here in Goodyear, uh, on the 27th of uh, March, that game for us right now is sold out. Um, so that's that's really exciting. Everybody wants to see that matchup. And of course, we go over to Mesa and play the Cubs twice early in the year. But um, the biggest week, yeah, ticket sales just in general, kind of that residual effect that you had in Cleveland um, back there at Progressive Field uh, with a spike in, in uh, season ticket sales. We've seen that in advanced sales out here, and uh, we've more than doubled our ticket uh, sales um from year to year, uh, compared to uh, comparatively speaking, um, already. So that's been been ex- tremendously exciting. And that week of spring break, which for the locals is actually uh, that third week of our spring training schedule. So uh, March 13th through the 17th, that um, those games we have some really good matchups in there. We have a night game against the or against the uh, the Reds on St. Patrick's Day. Um, that's selling really well. Um, as well as the Giants, uh, the Giants matchup on the 14th. So, um, yeah, there, I would just encourage people to uh, – you will still have the opportunity to buy tickets, you know, the day of the game. But if you're looking for some really good seats, um, just with the success of the team and, and how, um, you know, how, how that's transpired out here, I would encourage people to, to go online, get them early at Indians.com, or obviously call the box office. Or if you're in Goodyear early, uh, make sure to get them well in advance. Ryan Lance joining us. He's the Indians Director of Goodyear Operations, everything that's going on at the spring training complex under Ryan's watchful eye. And uh, Ryan, fans who've been to spring training, they know this. For those who haven't been and and maybe are pondering a trip out this spring, uh, we talk about the games, but spring training is so much more than that. And what do you have going on uh, either at the complex during the mornings or even some special fan experiences uh, either prior to or after some of the games? Yeah, so starting this week, um, our fan access areas are open for the general public with workouts taking place now. So uh, generally, uh, we have people, our guys will be out there anywhere between 8, 8.30 in the morning till about 1 o'clock. And uh, fans will have the opportunity to kind of get up close and, and watch batting practice on any one of our practice fields, um, either up top uh, in the north side of our complex. We have four, uh, a cloverleaf field down below on the south side. So Plenty of opportunities for fans to get autographs and pictures with the players, and it's a great time of year to do that because guys are 
a little bit more loose. It's spring training, um, so uh, plenty of opportunities present itself for both uh, for adults and kids alike to acquire autographs and, and get pictures. So definitely encourage them to come out and uh, attend any of those practices. Those are free and open to the public, no cost whatsoever. Um, and then like you hit upon, we have uh, three new fan experiences that people can take advantage of. Uh, we have our on-field workout, which is basically a 90-minute post-game on-field workout here at our player development complex where fans can take cuts in the batting cages, field ground balls, shag fly balls. Um, and those are on March 11th, uh, I'm sorry, March, uh, March 11th and the 25th is when those take place after the game. Um, we have a player broadcaster meet and greet on March 5th and 19th, and that's going to be up at the ballpark following game as well. So we'll have um, uh, yourself as well as Mr. Hamilton up there. Um, uh, according to those Q&A sessions, we'll have a few players up there as well uh, taking advantage of that so you can get uh, not only get a chance to ask your favorite player a question that they might have uh, that would be up there, but also get some autographs. And then finally, our fan uh, batting practice fan zone, uh, which is down here at the development complex. That one is already sold out, um, but we have – those are some of the, the cooler things that we have going on in spring training this year that we haven't had in the past. So I would definitely encourage people to go on to indians.com backslash spring. You can find out all that information under our promotional page and uh, purchase those experiences before they get sold out. Ryan, always <laughs> great to have you on, pal. I'll see you next week. And, uh, Looking forward to always, it. Always fun time of year when spring training begins. Thank you. Can't wait. We'll see you soon, Rosie. That's Ryan Lance, Indians Director of Arizona Operations, talking about some of the great things on tap if you're headed out that way for spring training. That's where we will be next week as that puts a wrap on this week's show, our final show from Cleveland this winter. We have made it through the hot stove season, and here we go. Spring training has begun, and we'll be there to cover it for you starting next week here on Tribe Talk all the way through spring training. And then, of course, once the regular season begins, we will be on site with the Indians wherever they may be. So until next week, from Goodyear, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Hey,